Yeah, yeah. Will got a soda stream against Israel sanctions, but well, they're I not. Mean, owned I've by- been trying to convince Phil that we should get one too. I'm not sure how much of a fan of it I am personally. I don't think it's carbonated enough. I finally figured it out. It took. You just gotta jam it up there more. We had one at work. I like them. I think I should have just been like splurge on the one that's like 20 more bucks that just like you just it's a one button and then it just does it automatically and it's the glass carafes yeah it's like the electric one i think i, I want the i want the glass carafes that one's like 140 bucks um this one was it's 100 and yeah it's 150 i think yeah this one was like 60 bucks or something like that so yeah thanks mom i wasn't aware of the difference do the glass carafes like uh preserve the bubbles better or something or is it just for fancy aesthetics no, they just, I just look wanna, sexy yeah i just don't want to be licking on a plastic bottle all the time <laughs> i just re-pour i don't actually use it but no i i also think it's like a, it's just a purely an aesthetic thing we had that kind at work and like the glass bo- the plastic bottles just get kind of weird looking after a while like they don't look fresh like yeah. they don't look like something you want to keep drinking out of yeah. Um, right. Plastic I, gets cloudy I and scratchy. And assume stuff. the glass will look better. Oh yeah, it's this shape, but longer. like with a swirl, the swirl design on yeah. it. Yeah, it's mm. it's a pretty ugly design, to be honest. I don't understand why they couldn't have just made the simplest glass bottle. <sighs> it's supposed to give the illusion that the water is flowing. Fucking Vichy uh, water. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that would be a good bottle design for them. That like modeled. <clears throat> Mm. What did you call it Vichy water? Yeah, you never had Vichy water? I don't know if an Israeli company would want to be affiliated with Vichy France. Oh, probably for obvious not. reasons. Okay. So <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, I don't know. But it comes from Catalan. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, Gwen, welcome. Mm-hmm. First timer. Thank you. Well, sort of a first timer. Gwen did a lost episode at Erica's wedding that never came out. Do you remember that? I- I do, and I think it's probably good that that remains deep, deep in the racks. Yeah, deep, deep in the archives. But you were the only other cogent person with me. I guess Tom was pretty good on it too, but Phil was just DJing in the background. Uh-huh. Uh, by the time everybody else showed up, it was deep into the night, and everyone was out of it. But that was a funny one. Yeah, that was good. Was it? That was a fun night too. Yeah, it was. Eric indeed. and Ben's wedding. Mm. What a I remember really parts. A long time ago. Oh my god, it seems even longer ago now. I know. Yeah, it feels like they've been married for three years. Yeah, it's well, they've been, been like five months. They've been married for ten years. <laughs> well, so. yeah. I, I still. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, do, do you want to introduce yourself and what you do? Because the, the we got to sure. get it out of the way. Okay. Uh, I well, first of all, I want to make a request to any and all listeners if that's okay yeah of yeah. course um i play scrabble go and my name on scrabble go is loopy louie and that is spelled let me just check so i rem- make sure i'm spelling my name right <laughs> that's sh- spelled l-o-o-p-y l-o-u-i-e and i i love to play any any listeners on scrabble go You'll have twenties um, of people knocking on your Scrabble door. <laughs> even even one or two would be great. Um, 
And I am asking that because I'm newly quarantined from work as of last Thursday. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I work as an art therapist at a homeless shelter. So I've been still going into work, um, but then had contact with a staff member and a client, multiple clients that are positive. So, yeah. And at, at this point, you yourself are paused up. Yeah. Yeah. I started to have minor symptoms. Like, I think like Saturday or Sunday night was probably when I was feeling the shittiest. And then I went to the doctor yesterday and I got a test. I, I got a test. I was really surprised because I had called prior like a week before just because I kept on having clients that were testing positive and I was assuming that it was only a matter of time with a complete lack of appropriate PPE. Um, so I like called my doctor and my doctor was like, don't come near me essentially. And <laughs> he was like, no test did we had like, I don't have tests, whatever. Well, um, I was wondering, I was and, wondering about that, Gwen, because you told me when we were setting this up that you were going to go to like city MD or, you know, some urgent care place. Like, what? Yeah, I did. You well, went to City MD but for I was a COVID gonna, test? What's, what's oh. the protocol? I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, you have to go somewhere and expose people. You're supposed to call before. You're oh. not just supposed to show up. So I had tried calling my regular GP the week before, and then I called, like, the New York Health and Hospitals whatever line to see. Um, and both of those places were like yeah, if you think you have it, you probably have it. Just stay indoors, which isn't helpful for my scenario because I'm like, yeah, I could have it, but I also could not have it. And I'm assuming I'm going to get it anyway. So I don't want to use my COVID sick time. I don't know. I just like don't want to sit at home and think I have it, but then don't have it and then go back go to back work and, get, and it. Yeah. get it and then be sent back home. Anyway. So I heard from my assistant at work who tested positive that she went to the city MD in Harlem. And then um, a friend of a friend also had it who's like over 60, maybe. And they also got tested at a city MD. So I thought maybe city MD is the ticket. I mean, um, it's been my primary caregiver for uh, three years, so. Yeah, I had never gone before. I actually thought it was kind of like a shell company. I didn't think anything was behind those big doors. Oh, no, they're real, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I called, and I didn't really think about calling until I was, like, in the car driving over, and the drive is only, like, a seven-minute drive. Yeah, did you go to the one in Williamsburg, uh, or? In Bushwick. There's one in Bushwick? On Nicker yeah, on Knickerbocker. <gasps> Ooh. Mm -hmm. this is, very close this is good information car. thank you so much mm. um so i'm like over i'm calling I'm like oh hi like i think i have covid why i work in a homeless shelter which every time i tell a doctor i work at a homeless shelter they're like uh, they're like because <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. they're like oh you definitely don't have this and then i'm like oh i work in a homeless shelter and they're like oh we're gonna test you for everything <laughs> <laughs> wait don't does uh, the city doesn't like, give you like babies over <gasps> not scabies, oh yeah that's um, right shingles i got shingles over 
Thanksgiving and like the doctor was like, you don't have shingles. That's impossible. You're too young. And I was like, oh, well, I work at a homeless shelter. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's probably shingles. Oh, God. <laughs> do, they, do they not give you like free health care? The city should do that. Like they're based on what you're exposed to on a daily basis. Well, like... I'll, I'll, we'll come back to that beautiful <laughs> point in a moment. They were going to get, before all the uh, COVID shit went down, the DHS decided that everybody should be TB tested. So they were going to give us a free TB test. They weren't already doing that? Gwen's shaking her head so, now. Oh, um, yeah, I'm shaking her head now. Um, the, the, uh, well, this is part of what I wanted to talk to you about because you'd been sharing like harrowing stories with uh, our group texts and stuff over the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. But like... Yeah. That's just one example of like how shockingly uh, ill-equipped workers like you are. And like, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's n- no shade, no lemonade, but it's not even like your front line in the same sense as like an ER nurse or something. Mm-hmm. But I can only imagine yeah. like if the if the lack of resources at your level are what you just got into that, like, y- you know, higher up the chain or at any level, y- you can picture how desperate it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's been apparent from the very beginning that our government and all organizations associated with the government have failed the people on every single level when it comes to this. And the clients I work with are routinely failed by the system. Mm -hmm. Um, And we as a society have deemed them worthless. So because of that, it's not surprising at all that they deem the people worthless and the workers worthless. Too. Right. Like mm-hmm. everybody in the scope of it is um, expendable, mm-hmm. you know, like I feel very lucky. Like, yes, <clears throat> I have COVID, but I'm also a healthy person. I don't have any underlying health issues. I don't have asthma. I'm not a smoker. Like in the scheme of things, I'm, I'm in a good shape for getting it. Right. A lot of my coworkers are not in that case. You know, I work with people who are over 65. I work with people who have chronic asthma and bronchitis and, you know, all the other th- things. And we weren't given any PPE. And up to two weeks ago, we were told it was, it was too expensive and too difficult to get, essentially. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's it's stunning how at the end of the day everybody's a line on a balance sheet, right? I I know that's like you know even in my field and I'm sure will too like getting laid off made that more clear than ever. Like it's not really a question of how important you feel like you are or how important people say that you are. At the end of the day, somebody looks at you as a number, and yeah. in your case, it's even more heinous because it's it's life threatening. Mine's yeah. just an economic kind of life threatening, but yours is both. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> I won't say where I work just because That's okay. Yeah, they yeah. probably don't want to they don't want to hear this, but my colleague, my coworker, um, is my assist she's like technically my assistant mm-hmm. and she works part time. And when this first started to go down, there was a lot of panic call outs, right? Like a lot of staff were very freaked out. Um a lot nat- like naturally as everybody was. Um, and there was like massive call outs and she was asked, my colleague coworker was asked to, um, work additional hours. And she, before this, she was working three days a week, 20, 
21 hours. Yeah. And she, I was like, how, and I, you know, I asked my boss like, oh, how much time can she work? And he was literally like as much time as she wants to work. Like we need people. Um, and I came back to her with that and she was like, she's a very balanced person. And she was like, I don't want to work here more than four days a week. Right. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Like, like, what are you going to do? This Just place be like... is really intense. So I was like, okay. I was like, whatever you want to make your schedule. So she agreed to work four days a week. And then this whole thing came up about, um, they were going, I guess our health insurance company said that because of COVID, they were going to allow enrollment outside of the typical it cycle, was it was like know? open enrollment part two right yeah. coronavirus weirdly kind of corresponded with open enrollment for everybody's health insurance right now right yeah um but not for the state right no most for, most open not enrollment, for the open market no most open market is in november oh sorry yeah. no i didn't mean like the state exchanges <clears throat> i meant i meant like a uh, company provided health insurance like it's mine, also in november oh mine's right. in the spring sorry yeah right so usually, usually it would be in November, but they opened it up to be, you know, an extra week if you want to sign up for whatever. Yeah, right. And my coworker was like, I really want to sign up for this. And I was like, yeah, you should. And then it became this whole thing where, oh, we can't make her full time then. Like she would have to work for 30 hours instead of 28 hours. Wait, and because what? of it, yeah, she became a budget line where like my supervisor's supervisor was like, you know, thank you blank for doing these extra hours, but like, we can't, we can't make you full time. That's not in the budget essentially. Right. You hear the same thing about employees at Walmart or really like, I don't know, any, right. any minimum wage job where they're kept at uh, 29 hours a week to be exactly. able to be denied benefits. In the city, yeah. but 29 the is the minimum. Pandemic right, when right. we have positive clients and she's being asked to run groups in the milieu of the shelter. I just was like, Wait, what? My mind. Yeah, she was, she and I were running groups. So like provided no PPE. I gave her the shitty homemade mask that I had. And I was like, listen, don't do anything you're uncomfortable with. If you feel uncomfortable, just come back in your office and lock the door. Like, and it just, you know, and now she, she was like, I have a huge medical bill. Oh God! Because she went to see the MD and had to get X-rays and to get tested, and you know, yeah, my copay was twenty bucks, like the seventy bucks for the meds. So I can't, like, I'm sure hers is like a couple, at least a couple hundred dollars, if not more. Um, if she got an X-ray, that thirty dollar X-ray is probably four hundred dollars at least. Just the, yeah. just the I X-ray. Just... I, I had I had um, acne medication that, with uh-huh. insurance, was two hundred dollars a bottle. So Ooh. for things that are more vital than that, and probably in shorter supply, I can only imagine. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was. She and I are both on quarantine, and I want to suggest that she send her medical bill to the hr office and i mean oh i think she should absolutely at least try that i mean even if it doesn't pay off it's a good symbolic gesture at minimum yeah because literally you provided us and the the hr woman who called me today was like well do you know anybody else who is within x feet of this client blah blah blah, blah without appropriate ppe and in my head i'm thinking what masks are you talking about because 
I've only been wearing the masks that I provided, which were either fabric masks or like the three surgical masks that I had from Phil's mom who had them from like 10 years ago. Right, right. I don't know. That, anyway. th- that stuff is so dystopian because it it almost feels like state propaganda, right? Like the sheet still needs to say that there's PPE available or at least pretend like there is. Right. And there's just none. So the answering the question itself is absurd. Right. And I wanted to I wanted to say, like, nobody has anything that I, you know, I. Yeah, yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I, I was going to say before that, I feel like my reaction was so blasé in the first place, unfortunately, because I'm not surprised at all that like they oh, would do no. that in the middle of a, in, in the middle of a pandemic. Like these systems. I was talking to my mom about this. I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the podcast, but you she's did. a state park oh, worker yeah. that I talked Did I tell that story. And she was working. No, no, you, you just told me, I think. Oh, OK. Well, she, she's a state park worker and she was working like with a park open to the public. Until way too late. I mean, I'm talking like a week ago Um, and was getting no PPE and was like cleaning restrooms and stuff. And she finally went to her boss and bowed out and said, like, I'm not coming in anymore. And I think enough employees did that that shortly after they closed down the park. Um, But my point to her was that, like, I'm not surprised to hear that. And I'm not surprised to hear your coworker like be on a balance sheet even during the pandemic, because these systems are so large that they don't have self-awareness. Right. Like. They have to continue to go on as normal as much as possible. So there's no like reflexive reaction. You can't adjust things quickly enough ever. I mean, you can look at the whole government response in light of that and how mishandled it's been. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was sort of panicking in my own brain weeks ago, like when this first started to come into play, because this is even before they suggested socially distancing on the scale that we're doing it now. Yeah. And I thought my clients sleep 10, 15 to a room. They have to like queue up in a line to get lunch. Uh, They eat in a big cafeteria um, because no, you know, because these sort of facilities are so underfunded, like there's never, there's never enough cleaning crews to properly clean the building generally, let alone the type of cleaning that needs to be in place for a facility of that size during a health crisis like we have. Right. And I was just like, assumed I would get it. I was like, I'm assuming I'm going to get it because I'm assuming everybody's going to get it here because there's no way to control it. And there's no like, there's no systems in place. Like if we really wanted to control it, we would do twice a day temperature checks on everybody. And like everybody would be, have been wearing masks for four weeks, you know, for the past four weeks, but. Right. Well, part, money, 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 money. Of course. And, <clears throat> and part of the problem in your specific set is that psychiatric health takes a back seat to the more mainline concern of the deaths during the pandemic. So the resources that you already lack are probably even further restrained at the same time that your system is being overwhelmed by what regular hospitals can no longer deal with. Yeah. I know you were going to shelter, but I'm speaking in general, but it's the same. I mean, I work with a population that utilizes a lot of the psychiatric facilities all over the city, whether that's on an outpatient or inpatient basis. And a lot of the outpatient facilities shut down because 
they didn't want to gather people, right? Um, and uh, they've some of them have removed to remote, um, and others have just totally shut down. And then the psychiatric hospitals have a lot of them have been shutting down or condensing um, and sending people to try to send people to state hospitals or releasing people way earlier than they would yeah. typically release them. Um, one in part to just like keep numbers on on floors on because from the hospital's perspective, they don't want groups of people, you know, in a right. in, inpatient setting like that. But then they get most, most of those people get sent to homeless shelters. Yeah. You know? Oh my. And um, if they don't go to a shelter, they end up like arrested or just missing. Well, and likely Gwen, I think you can speak to that because you shared a story. I mean, they, or I'm now I'm mixing myself up. Maybe I read this, but you can't really arrest people or take them anywhere right now either. So the only answer is the street or a hospital, a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. The police have been less likely to make arrests and um, less likely to, um, and EMS has been less likely to take people, right? So usually if we had a patient that was going through a severe crisis, uh, we would be able to call EMS and they would evaluate the client and then take take them to a psychiatric hospital. And the level of illness that is now needed to take somebody to a psychiatric hospital is just much, much higher uh, because there's just way fewer beds there. And um Right. And it also sounds like the question might be one more of EMS than the police. Like, even if the police are willing to do something and have the resources to do it, it's the ambulances that are taken up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did, I did see one, like, parked on Flushing today. Like, people just, like, eating on the eating Popeyes on the back of the truck. Mm -hmm. Just, like, shell-shocked looking, just, like, zombies. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, they look destroyed. And it was like a private ambulance company. Yeah, I mean, it's constant. And the thing that I think we have to remember is that a lot of EMS are not compensated how they should be. A lot of them are minimum wage workers. Yeah, yeah. I think the average EMS salary is like somewhere in the range of $40,000, maybe even less. Plus, it's not very much money. It's like $17 yeah. an hour. And I think that that's something I think about a lot at my job, like where, and the same thing with, like Amazon and all that other stuff, like um, doctors and nurses are definitely on the front line. Um, but their their work is to an extent valued by society and they're compensated for that. When you see like um, tra traveling nurses are being offered a lot of money right now, um, not necessarily nurses who already have contracts with in the hospitals, but nurses that they're recruiting to help with the overflow mm -hmm. are being offered a lot of money as they should be, as right. they should be a hundred percent. But like EMS are still making like little to no money. The cleaning crew at my facility are making little to no money. The RAs minimum, it's all minimum wage work. And you know, why, like, why would you put yourself in a situation like that for minimum wage pay? Yeah, that makes right. No and sense. well, I mean, with the unemployment situation, such as it is like I, I heard on a podcast today, I mean, take this with a grain of salt. I have no idea if it if it's true, but like within the next couple of weeks, unemployment will be 30 percent. 
right now it's already 10. So the the unfortunate reality of that is there's plenty of people that are desperate for minimum wage right now because it's work at all. And the surplus like labor pool has never been bigger in a certain sense. So the incentive to pay more is, is actually diminishing, even though the morality of it obviously implies that it should be much, much greater. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for the time when claims for unemployment, like you, the weekly claims get denied because it's like, well, Amazon's hiring. Why didn't you apply for a job there? And it's like, uh, no, I technically yeah. have a job. Right, right. No, but they, so, they may no. start doing that because you are supposed to look actively or whatever. And I could very easily imagine that being weaponized to just get people, off especially the, yeah. people that make a lot of unemployment like Will and I, because our mm-hmm. jobs paid relatively well before. I I don't know. I don't know how that'll work out, but that's not impossible at I all. I know. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you about this. Did you see the story that the New York Post has been promoting about Heart Island? Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mass burials. Yeah, the broad outline of it. I, I hope this doesn't get too morbid, but I think it. You could speak to it well. Is that um, the there's somebody flew a drone over this place called Heart mm-hmm. Island that's like right off the Bronx, and they captured a bunch of um prisoners digging and burying people in mass graves with like wooden caskets. Yeah. Um, they brought in a specialized team now. They got rid of the prisoners. Oh, really? Well, yeah. There was already a story. Well, that was be- that was because of the number of COVID deaths at the prison. It was becoming too hard to organize a team of prisoners that weren't going to be potentially sick. Initially, they had offered prisoners like a higher hourly wage and like PPE to do this. The higher hourly wage being six dollars an hour instead of like one seventy five or whatever they usually make. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, I'm 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 bringing it up because I heard an interesting take on it today that I think is relevant because a lot of people are kind of going conspiracy theory with it. Like, oh, this is where all the covid deaths are going. But the reality of it is more likely that along with prisoners that are if they don't have family are buried there anyway. That's where a lot of homeless people are already buried. Like Heart Island has been a yeah. site for burial for a long time. Why are you surprised by this? Yeah. No, no, no. I've seen a law I'm, and order. I'm Come saying on. exactly the opposite that I'm not surprised. But it's been a sensational story in the New York Post because people are like, oh, my God, there's mass graves in New York City. But they've always been, they've been there. there. And it's been for the homeless population. I mean, it's been it's been for the homeless population and for people who can't afford a funeral. Like, if you yeah, look right. at funeral costs, it's like I don't know, six to twelve, fifteen thousand dollars. So much more than that. Okay, right. so let me let me do a deep dive for you. Sorry, um, I got very excited because I was deep diving uh, for you know urn related things to get a little notch in the. Presbyterian Church uh, by MoMA. It's three thousand dollars just to get the space, and then another two to get the engraving, and then a down payment of five grand just flat. Yeah, that doesn't sound odd at all. I mean, I feel like even graves in cemeteries that are less glamorous are a similar price. But that's Mm -hmm. that's your art. That's like the cheapest option. Like burning, and you get an ash pile. Like. And that's $10,000. You get a box, a casket's $10,000. Right, right. Like, it's insane. Yeah, funeral, I mean, funeral costs are exorbitant, it's true. This is how I would get people with uh, insurance. Yeah, I was reading something about, like, how they're tagging the bodies so that people will be able to find them and claim them afterwards. And I was like, yeah, right. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't I know. I have no confidence in the city government to properly tag bodies in a good year, let alone in a pandemic year. No, no. You're, I mean, you're exactly right. And when you think about how simple something like getting PPE to workers at a shelter should be, and then you imagine like an inventory system for 16,000 bodies, like I don't, there's, you know. Part of the general conversation that we're having or like I think that's on everybody's mind during the pandemic is like it, it has, you know, these things have always been kind of obvious, but have functioned smoothly enough on the outside that right. everybody was comfortable with this like decentralized mess. But I don't know. Now I can't get it off my mind. It's like every every time I get into systemic thinking, you think about how it doesn't function on any level, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to talk politics for a second? Because it's related and we can d- dig ourselves out sure. of the public health crisis. <laughs> or you can talk hole. about something fun. You watch a Tiger Man yet? Oh, no. Jesus. Good. I'm not okay. That. Good. Um, not that Tiger. I mean, Tiger King is a fun documentary anyway. It's not. Uh, uh, not for me. But so we our last episode, Will and I talked about um, Bernie dropping out. But at that point, he hadn't endorsed Biden yet. And then today, we have Obama endorsing Biden, too. Yeah. Um, go ahead if you have anything to say. But I just want to preface it with, like, I'm not really that interested in, like, hot takes on strategy and stuff. Like, it happened, you know? It's all kind of in the can. But I'm interested in, like, the the long-term situation here for, like, left politics. Because this is, like, real dark times right now. Yeah, well, we got whooped. Um, I am not surprised by any of it. I do think that more people are engaged than they were before. Do you do you think that that can like maintain without the presence of a leader? My worry personally is not losing Bernie for myself, but for like all these people that were just engaged yeah. that they'll go back to nihilistic. Um, I think somebody has to step up. I do. I don't know who that is. Um, but somebody has to, somebody has to fill that role. I don't, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like one individual, uh, but I think that there's there's so much organizing that happened around the Bernie campaign, and it would be such a waste to lose all of that. I mean, I just think about, you know, I, I like you, did a bunch of calling and knocking on doors and that sort yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah, we phone banked and canvassed together at one point. Yeah, and I mean, I... The people that you actually connected to, especially on the phone banking and the canvassing, they were very upset with what was going on, but also very driven to do something and make a change of some sort. And I hope that somebody can capitalize on that. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you need a horse. I mean, you I think it's going to be tr- like Trump's going to win. Yeah, this is interesting because I'm kind of waffling on this at this point. Like, I definitely, as I'm sure you do, I definitely think there's a non-zero chance that Biden could win. But I'm 
I'm still putting my money on Trump, like absolutely destroying him. I, I almost, I don't know. I can't picture it, but the situation changes so rapidly. I mean, like, but with, but without a horse and with, as Will said, and with like the, the campaign organization sort of getting folded into Biden's campaign now, yeah, it seems like, I, 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 it seems like who's going to do that though. Who's going to be like, mm, th- I'm going to roll the, over. This mm. is the problem is I'm sure some of Bernie's staff as they are right now are going to work with Biden and that's fine, but nobody's going to canvas for Joe Biden, especially given a pandemic social distancing situation. Mm. Very few people are going to phone bang for him. Like all the things that you just talked about, Gwen, that like are stirring and do work, uh, are, are getting disappeared in a strange way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm more interested in like down ticket stuff. Like who who do we have to be excited about in important elections and other places? And perhaps that energy can go to support those people because everyone's really too old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the the big players are all really old, and who who's like the fresh? I don't know. Who's coming up? Yeah, I don't know. I've been, I I've been, no idea. I've been kind of thinking all day that, like, you know, AOC went on Drag Race. No, I did not know that. She was like a no, guest. She was a judge. She was a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race, and like, I, what were you doing watching Drag Race? Well, hold on, we have to take a moment. What I can know about things without having seen them. I saw a clip because mm. I'm interested mm. in things like this. But she went on Drag Race, and, like, I think what sucks about that relative to, like, getting new figureheads and concentrating on, like, more downscale people is that they get absorbed by, like, the existing celebrity and political infrastructure so quickly. And I think that just happened to Bernie's campaign. I think that happens Mm -hmm. to, like, famous House representatives. Um, So... I don't know. Like, I'm losing faith a little bit in electoral politics at all. Like, I don't know if the way to do this is by talking about elections anymore. So, mm-hmm. wait, did you watch, did you just watch the, like, clip that she went on? Or did you watch the um, the after show, the Untucked, where she's like, you can do it. it all change starts with you. Uh, no, I did not watch the after show. Did you? Yes. Talk about Yeah, it. she, like sat the queen's down and was like what you're doing it's so brave blah 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 like change starts on the ground like in you know using the metaphor basically it's like it starts in clubs it starts you know you start at the ground level and then you you build change from there well you know what i don't so that messaging goes to a bunch of queens who are like yes i guess so but what i don't like about that is that 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 says that if you perform an identity somewhere in your private life you're doing politics and that's not what i'm talking about I, but, like, there's impressionable youth that watch that that are like, yeah, I do care about some kind of Gwen, do you have anything to say about that? Because, like, my, my, last, my last thought on it is, like, well, that's great, but what that's going to make them want to do is be a famous celebrity drag queen or politician, not change other people's lives. It's cynical in my mind. Why not both? Um, I... I really dislike the celebrity status of politicians. Uh, I mean, it's hard to not have it there, but I was pretty turned off by AOC when she dropped her skincare recommendations. Right. 
because I don't <laughs> care how she got that youthful glow. You know, I'm right. Doesn't matter. Um, that was the patience zero in where her motivations lie. <laughs> yeah. And I feel the same way about like the new love for Cuomo that is <sighs> seems like it's seeping out of lots of people, you know, right. um, the best thing about that man is that he dated Sandy for a little bit. Oh God! So wait, Sandy who? Sandra Lee. Who's that? Semi homemade. Semi homemade. This is totally over my head. You guys are gonna you have don't to fucking explain know this. this. No. Like she, they interviewed her to ask about his like nips. What'd she say about his nips? She was like, "I'm not talking about that. Of course, that's ridiculous. He's a respected politician. That we means it's true. That, that means, means it's a hundred. He's got true. barbells through those nips, and mm, mm, yeah. mm. oh my, I don't." That, I mean, who cares? Who cares how he adorns his body, really? My issue is that he's, like, made huge cuts to Medicaid and Medicare. Yeah, he's ruining people's lives. It doesn't matter if he's, like, a cool daddy that makes you feel comfortable while you're watching the news. And also, I mean, the right. Cuomo love is disgusting to me. It's the worst. Also, I mean, people are going to change their tune when they try to go ride a subway when they're allowed outside. And they're like, oh, wait, there's only one train a day. Good right. luck. Like... You, you know, Gwen, I've been saying, I don't know if I've talked to you about it specifically, but I've been talking with a lot of people about like this infantilization syndrome that I think mm -hmm. has been like always a part of millennial culture. I think we're kind of eternally children in a lot of ways because we all want daddies, mm -hmm. but it's come out really aggressively for some people during the pandemic. Like yeah. if you're not coping well, it's really easy to just turn into a baby Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I've been really attracted to people lately that are not that way. And I mean, I think you're a prime example. You're coming on this fucking podcast and talking to us for an hour with coronavirus. And yet there's people that are like, oh, I got a heart emoji, Andrew Cuomo, to like get yeah. through their day. It's disgusting. I mean, I have a very mild form, thank God, of coronavirus. I'm not, I'm not that, I'm really not that sick. But it's so. really more about your, in, your inside state. Like in this conversation and texting with you, you're not like, yeah. you're not full of dread and people without coronavirus that have great jobs working from home are like falling apart and turning into babies. I'm not a pussy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, pussies are strong, strong things. I don't know what you're, why you're talking about. You're like, <laughs> all right, AOC. No, no, I'm from Philly. Pussy's a pussy. <laughs> That's right. Um, I mean, I, but I also say that from a place of like, I, I am not going to lose my job, you know, like I, yeah. even, even though I get paid pretty shitty, um, I will have an income. So I feel very lucky about that. Uh, I am relatively healthy. I don't have any real health issues. So I have that. Um, my job was insane before the pandemic. Right. So I kind of knew that and it's the, this has made it a different type of insane. Yeah. Um, but it, it was always underfunded and my clients were treated like garbage and their, their lives were deemed to be of no value by our whole society and community. So that has not changed. It just reflects differently. Right. And people pretending like they care is reflected differently. How does, what do you think of the idea that as art therapists, you are an essential employee? I think that's, that's interesting to make that call. 
Yeah, well, um, in my facility, I'm one of the few people who have a background in trauma. Um, a lot of the case, some of the case managers have social work backgrounds, but a lot of them don't. Um, and because of that, you know, and, yeah. and pro- honestly, providing some sort of regulatory grounding of some sort to our clients is essential. I mean, imagine all the hear on the news is that you have to stay six feet away from people and, um, you know, make sure that you're drinking hot liquids and cover your mouth and you're in a room with 14 other people less than six feet away. You have to stand in line for 45 minutes to get a meal. Uh, You don't have access to hot water, so you can't have a cup of tea when you want to. Um, And, you know, you have a a neighbor who is so physically and mentally ill that they can't, they have no concept of of the idea of covering your mouth. Yeah, right. And then imagine, like imagine your state of dread, like constant fear, you know? Um, right and having and having someone in your position that has you know the ability to regulate that background in trauma or not is essential and and it's a weird um yeah it's a weird thing because your title as art therapist sounds frivolous but what what but what but the title <laughs> but the thing is the title is That's frivolous, i was like right? did you find this a little bonkers yeah, yeah the title the title is frivolous and the also, job is I think not at that- all I, um, I'm in like a support group with a couple of other people who are also like doing, working as art therapists and social workers doing during this time. And I think we're all sort of feeling like incredibly, um, unprepared and, um, like we're doing a really shitty job, you know? Uh, because none of us know what to expect. I like tried asking a couple of my older colleagues who had like worked through the AIDS crisis. I was like, how does this compare to AIDS? And they were like, it doesn't. They were just like, no comparison, <laughs> like no comparison. You know, they were like, there was shame and all this other stuff associated with right, AIDS, which right. is like not here at all. And, you know, there's, there's no way to protect anyway. Yeah, Which I mean, very, like, very different. if you got COVID from fucking, there would be shame would be used as the suppressor. But it's like you just have a sniffle near someone, and you're like, well, you got it now. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, I wonder what the like societal dynamics will be like uh, when this starts to lift because shame has entered into it in a certain way, not in terms of transmission like in AIDS, but social distancing has like imparted a new kind of public shaming. Like I look down on people that are not wearing masks and stuff outside. Like the few times that I've gone to like get things and whatever, that's completely irresponsible. I don't care whether you think they work or they don't. Like people were as a sign of solidarity, you need to do it. It's a psychological thing more than it is even maybe a preventative thing. Although it's probably both. Yeah, I um, early on in this, I think it was like the first weekend. I think it was the weekend prior to St. Patrick's Day, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That weekend, I was at home, and it was just the kind of the beginning of like, pa- like panic setting in, in in my mind about like, okay, now this is happening. Like, how is this going to affect my job? All this sort of stuff. Like, how is this going to affect it all? And um, 
we had a two young, well-dressed Mormon chaps show up at my door who I like freaked out on because <laughs> my building is predominantly, there's a lot of older people. And I was like, what are you doing? And, you know, I, I yelled at them and like shut the door. And then I heard them like talking, trying to ring on my old neighbor's door, like a very elderly woman. And I like let it out. I was like, get the fuck out of here. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and they were like, oh, this like crate. Cause I realized that I'm no longer like a young person and I'm, I'm, I can have that like, oh, old, like not, I'm not an old lady, but I'm, I'm no longer one of these, like, one of these young kids' peers, you know? So there's like, oh, who's this old lady, like, freaking out? Right, you have authority now, yeah. And I was like, I walked, like, escorted them out of the building and was, like, yelling at them. And uh, the guy was, like, wanted to shake my hand. You know, he's being antagonistic about it. Right, that's very And my real regret is that I didn't spit in his hand. But that's, like, my (laughs) only one regret from this COVID pandemic who let them into the building everyone knows like jehovah's witnesses mormons you just everyone pretends that you're not at home you know what i have never had a set of jehovah's witnesses like this the mormons to me are far worse than the jehovah's witness jehovah's witnesses are like they'll give you some papers and then they'll leave yeah like these guys were like aunt just constant knocking on every door just they wouldn't take no for an answer. Oh, they sound like Bernie Sanders supporters. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds familiar <laughs> to some some listeners. Youthful men. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I yeah. think you're right. Uh, I think we've actually talked about that once on here, that like Jehovah's Witnesses are, are, are pretty chill. And they're easy to yeah. deal with. And it's like, there's no reason to be mean to them. I've never encountered Ooh. Mormons personally, but I can imagine that. There's a lot of Mormons in Las Vegas. My mom's best friend is a Mormon. You know, yeah. it's not to like, it's not to shame her or whatever, but like, yeah, they're very evangelical. How did a Mormon get to New York in the first place? We don't have Mormons here. Ah, they're oh, I don't know. But I, I afterwards, I texted or I uh, Instagrammed the Church of Latter-day Saints in New York. And I told them all about their two young whippersnappers that were terrorizing a building of older people. Oh, my God. You tweet stormed LDS. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing and i instagrammed them no response they were like oh this bitch but uh yeah i, I was furious i mean and I, I still feel that way i got out of i had like a really bad week at work where we had like a, a client you know you're not supposed to have favorites but you do um sure. Always. and like somebody that i cared for was like tested positive and was being sent away and i like come back and I like pull my car up in front of my building and there's this group of generation Z is that the group below millennials yes yeah yeah Gen Z's. yeah <laughs> there's like a group of Gen Zers like surrounding my car and I like like knocked on my window and was like motioning them to go away and then when they did I like got out of my car and started screaming at them <laughs> oh you're I the crazy like, yeah, no, screaming lady of green avenue get the fuck inside. and they they looked at me with their like bored pratt student expressions and i was like yeah you'll all probably be fine but yeah the amount of like young like hipster children walking around no regard for shit is really like starting to piss me off i'm like you need to get there's a lot of old people in yeah. this neighborhood period and it's like 
go the fuck inside. You don't live here. I know this. It is it is true. I don't know if you've noticed that, Glenn, too, but I really do feel like the young 20-somethings that are, like, not New Yorkers yet, they are not fucking taking this seriously at all. They're, like, going on friendly walks because they're, yeah. like, cooped up because they're, you know, telecommuting for their PR job is really boring and they want to go for a walk. I'm like, put a fucking mask on and stay six feet away from each other. You right. Or that their, like, only responsibility is Zooming for two hours to their classroom to try to have, like, a sculpture class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On Zoom. Which yeah. sounds shitty, but... I don't know if I would yeah. react any differently, though. You know, I I don't know. I'm. It's just occurring to me now that I would like to cut them a little bit of slack because young people are just stupid, and it's incredibly dangerous to be stupid right now. But what do they know? I mean, they grew up their yeah. entire lives like basically during a Trump president. They have no idea what is normal behavior. Of course they don't. But I I don't have an issue if I see people out in like groups of two. But if it's more than two, I'm like, you guys all roommates? You all live together? Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like, the thing. Even like, in, what, the, what are you doing out? Even in groups of two, you can tell who lives together and who doesn't. If you listen to their conversation for 10 seconds, it's obvious that you're just transmitting across the board. You're projecting the wine store broads into this, aren't you? Well, Chris, I would make the argument that if you can listen to their argument, you're really too fucking close to them and you, yeah, you're not social because distancing. some bitches like to get too close <laughs> while you're waiting in line at the wine shop and you're like shut the fuck up and back off before uh, i start swinging and now i i describe the wine shop doesn't have the box like the you stand here boxes yet for their line they, they kind of sheet. couldn't just given the layout of their store like honestly i think that depending on what your location is like in New York City, I mean, the spaces are so compressed that it's not possible unless people do it themselves. Like, there's no way to market it. And you shouldn't need that at this point, I don't feel like. Um, But yeah, yeah, what scares me about going outside, it's sort of like, um, I feel like uh, parents always say this to their children when they start driving, like, it's not you I'm afraid of. It's the other drivers, right? right? Like, I do everything I can possibly do. But in New York, you can't avoid contact, really. And it's right. horrifying. Um, I was talking to my friends from Ohio last night and, like, it basically realized that I'm completely jealous of them. Because everybody has a car and everybody lives mm-hmm. on a plot in the first place that's far apart. And all the parks are bigger. And they're more remote. Like, they can actually live lives. Like, they're actually mm-hmm. going out and it's safe. And as, lo- and as yeah. long as more or less everybody's taking it seriously, it's easy to avoid people, even in a city that size. But here, yeah. I, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, having a car is really helpful. Oh, it's lovely. Um, oh. Prior to my positive testing like two weekends ago phil and i drove to the beach and went for a walk along the beach and there was like it was very easy to keep away from people see Um, it can be done see and it was lovely see someone won't go to the beach with me i'm i'm sure it can be done and you're welcome to go to the beach by yourself but I, i i'm too paranoid fucking i can't deal with it what what are you worried about though? It's it's purely like psychosomatic or whatever. I don't think it's a justified fear. I'm not saying that it's rational, mm. but like I just straight up don't want to go that far away from here at all. Yeah. Like and and I just know that it's going to affect me badly. I won't be able to enjoy myself. So even right. if it's just on that level, I don't want to do it. I'm better off reading yeah. or whatever. Okay. That makes sense. I still think it's trash. Um because I'm a terrible person, but it's fine. Uh, I almost went... 
Okay, I'll, I'll, yeah, sh- I'll you're shame you're like my... bopping all over the place, too. I bop between here and Maspeth. <laughs> like, you know, it's fine. Uh, I got a door. Uh, I almost went on a, like, shame mission uh, to Queens to go to a Taco Bell drive through because I found out where one was. And I was just like, yeah, I do want a Crunchwrap. Yeah, see, on the on the on the other hand, there's really no point in me being so paranoid because this motherfucker is going to give me coronavirus because of a crunch wrap. Got to get it somehow. I mean, you got to build I, those antibodies I really up. You know, about getting a getting a McDonald's milkshake the other day when my throat was sore. I was like, oh. mm. I'll go, I will go get you one. I, I I promised that I would get you some kind of treat, and now that you have. You have the vid. I okay. can I can go through drive through. I'm gonna wait because I think we're gonna actually have to ask you to pick up something. Yeah, some if point. you need groceries yeah. or anything, run. You know you have yeah. Corolla Mobile and you know someone who Thanks. goes ham at a grocery store. So, yeah. oh yeah, you're not supposed to go grocery shopping right now, really either. I buy I buy hundreds of dollars worth of food that I plan to last for a month if necessary and two weeks at minimum every time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do that. No, we. I did a major grocery shopping earlier because I got sent home because I had expected contact with somebody. So because of that, like, Phil and I were like, we should do one major grocery shopping before we, like, tuck ourselves into the apartment for the next two to three weeks. Right. Um, and that's when I got the Easter ham, which was my Oh, you did a ham? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did a bird. It's very difficult. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't have done during this quarantine uh, that I don't feel okay about. But cooking that ham was one that I felt perfectly fine with. What yeah, are you talking about? Like cocaine? What are you? What What are you doing that you're not supposed to? Good God. Um, I don't know what came over me, but I decided to li- to watch the live stream of Easter Mass. Um, from like my childhood church, Catholic church. Wow. Okay. Uh, it was a, it was a very well. A couple things. I knew the priest uh, is known for his brevity. So the whole Easter service was thirty six minutes long. Which yes. is, is this the priest yes. that uh, officiated yes. your wedding, Gwen? No, no, oh, no, okay. no. That guy. Because that guy no, fucking I rocked. Wish, by the way, that guy was pretty cool. Yeah, he's a he's a real. Philadelphian, uh, for sure. If you anyway, can get um, if you can get Easter so. done in thirty six minutes, that's sure. That's Fuck long it. for him. Father Bonner usually rolls in at about 24, 25 minutes. Yes. Oh damn, he keep, he keeps it tight. We need to have him as a guest on the podcast. I like that. A nice short <laughs> episode with a priest. Yeah, he's like no bullshit. Like you know, I mean, he did read a little propaganda. He wrote he read a letter from a second grader who was very disappointed that she wasn't going to get her first Holy Communion. Oh yeah. No, but oh. she she was actually concerned for the whole class, which Father Bonner pointed out. She wasn't just concerned for herself. She used the royal we we won't get um to have our first Holy communion. So but that mean that to me is a sign of the I might be a little bit more deranged that I'm letting on. Uh that and I also dyed my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Wait, right. what? You dyed Black. your eyebrows? Yeah, they are a little darker, but you know. You can't you can't really tell. Phil thinks I look like uh Bert from Bert and Ernie. <laughs> oh oh no. And I've I've threatened him by the end of this quar, I'm gonna dye his too, so we can Oh match my, that's Actually, crazy. 
Phil would look good with like a, an ombre, like to blonde with his long hair, like very Ooh, surfer maybe. bro. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I do. Sure. I do have a big bucket of bleach. We could try some. Stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have. I have to say that I think the uh, the eyebrow dying is a classic woman sign of derangement. I have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, look, I'm I'm not trying to be no, bangs. misogynistic or whatever, but I genuinely think when women start messing with hair on their own, oh, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. Who the fuck are you to talk, Mr. Baldass? Hey, like, man, what, I had my Britney about? moment. I was honest about it. I have nothing to hide. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't dye my eyebrows that often. Hmm. I think part of it has to do with acknowledging that you're looking at your face too much when you make these decisions. Yes, right? yes, exactly right. Like your focus is, is way too, um, too vain. That's very, <laughs> that's very true. I never thought about it that way, Gwen, but I think you're exactly right. It's a way to break your narcissism and like change yeah. your thinking. But at the same time, it's reinforcing of that because it's a narcissistic oh, yeah. gesture. It's an aesthetic yeah. thing. But I, I, mean, I get my what you're saying. Eyebrows look fucked up right now, but in three days, they're going to be great. <laughs> and they'll be good for like a week. No, and it's not that these decisions necessarily look bad. It's just that taking the action definitely represents something. That's all that yeah. I mean. It's a, it's not bad. But the- I mean, I I've been most disappointed with my um, doctor's suggestion that I sleep on my stomach um, for COVID because I didn't know this, but your lungs are on your back, so they suggest that you don't sleep on your back. Hmm. You're sort of artificially collapsing your lungs a little bit. Yeah. Right. Um, so she was like, yeah, if you have, if you feel the pressure in your chest more, like sleep on your stomach, you should probably sleep on your stomach in general. And this hit me in a particularly hard place because I trained myself to sleep on my back like three years ago when I started to worry about facial lines. (laughs) So I'm I'm like, what? You want me to retrain myself to sleep on my stomach and now I'm going to wake up with giant creases across my cheeks? We need to get you a silk pillow and you'll be okay. Oh, man. I already have a silk pillowcase. Come on. I'm not an amateur. No, if you already have know. it and you're like, oh, shit. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, then resist. To, sleep on your back. There has to be some sort of drive for life. Yeah, that's right. Know? That's right. Yes. Wait, what about side sleeping? Can't you just... And then just do like a little tuck under. Well, no, side sleeping fucks your face up too. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Well, why does listen, it make it sag gonna... to one side or the other or something? What's the deal? It does this. Oh, it I see. It presses it. Oh, yeah. You I wake know? up like that all the time. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I wake up like basically like at a perpendicular angle to the bed. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty well established canon on here that one of these days you're going to turn into a grotesque uh, monster. Because of all of your bad habits, and I'm just waiting for the day. Listen, I think I'm Listen, gonna, I'm gonna Will, lean in. Just, just join me on the back sleep. It's, <laughs> it's weird for like two, three weeks, you know. I fall asleep um, on my back, but then I wake up just like hunched, like, like tied up in a knot in my shoulder. Yeah. Can we talk about the Catholic part for a second? Because that's also a perennial theme on here. I'm fascinated that you went back to your childhood mass specifically do you have any like analysis well my mom my mom sent it to me and i knew i was going to be zooming with her later that evening so i think there was a little bit of like 
Here it comes. Guilt. Yep. A little guilt. Welcome to the club. <laughs> um, but I also think like I knew Father Bonner was going to be saying it. So I knew it was going to be real short. And I also think I wanted to hear the Philly twang, you know, and I knew oh, yeah. I'd get a good healthy <laughs> dose of that. Um, which I know is something that I do when I'm feeling out of sorts. Like I'll just google all like youtube philly accents and laugh at people just call ritter <laughs> yeah and uh and then i'll be like oh good when that begs that begs the question did you did you have a philly accent at one point that you dropped yeah i think so okay. i never it had as out. crazy of one i never had as crazy as of one as some people because my mom like i remember my mom's not from philly and so i remember like coming home from a friend coming home coming home from a friend's house and i'd be like oh i was at steph's house and she's like <laughs> house she's like you were at steph's house and i was like yeah i was at steph's house and <laughs> and she was she was like ah no house house and I was like, yeah, yeah well steph said that uh oh god you had a beat not a house tonight yeah <laughs> and then also my first job after college was like at this kind of like shitty bar that the owner like didn't like the Philly accent. So if you said Wooder, he'd correct you and also there's shit. So I hate Wooder. It is my, Oh yeah. That's it is nails on chalkboard. But I think like, I think like most people with a slight accent when they're drunk or angry, it comes out. Right. If you get tipsy, I can hear the Philly and then I go, he, yeah. he, he, he. This is funny. If I drink too much or I'm like really pissed off at somebody. It's interesting because like I don't I, I yes, I also detect it in certain states or whatever. But you have a very mannered way of speaking that's not mm-hmm. apparent unless I think about it in these terms. Right. Like I think your tone and your accent is very measured in general. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like everybody, when you hear your voice, you cringe mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i listen to I'm myself every week a bit more aware of that and have been for a while oh well you know i i don't know about will but i had a really severe ohio accent and still still do sometimes what's an ohio accent avocado avocado oh. extended a's extended oh. a's and o's it's almost like wisconsin okay. but it's a little more subtle than that no wisconsin is like oh yeah how I don't do that seriously if you listen to your family from ohio the accent's kind of similar they do sound a little canadian yeah yeah it's it's also mixed with like a canadian mm-hmm. a boot type of thing brown brown yeah. is the word and you're like it's just brown what are you doing Ugh. right i don't <sighs> know my, my friend uh Trevor, he clandestinely, well, he was, he was an original podcaster. He would always clandestinely record conversations between friends, like just set his phone on the table on a drinking night and then send them to us later, like a whole hour of it or whatever. That's no friend of mine. (laughs) Oh, I loved it. I think it's, I thought it was amazing. I I mean, I should ask him for one. I would publish them as podcasts, although I don't know, there's probably N-bombs and stuff, but How, how old were you guys? Oh, this this is still happening occasionally. Obviously not now. Um, but it dates from being in early 20s, like in college until now. 
Um, but I'd heard a couple of those not that long ago from when I was 22, like right before I went to grad school. And I mm -hmm. feel like it wasn't, it that, that accent was not turned off at all at that point. And it's horrifying. I think it was moving to New Jersey that like made me realize I had it unconsciously. Yeah. 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 And Will, you never had it? He has it right now. What? Yeah. You have the, you have the thing with the extended A's accent. But that's like sharp. It's not a, like, it's a, uh, like a, a point up and then down. It's not a, it's not a, uh, what's it called? An arc. I mean, I think it was until like a year, six months to a year ago when I realized why I thought the way Phil said what he does, painting is so strange. Like he, Phil always says painting and I'm like, Pain painting, painting, right. <laughs> right, painting. <laughs> he overpronounces the T is what you're getting at. Right. Painting. Yeah. You're right. And yeah. I'm just like painting. Yeah. Paint painting. What? Strange. Yeah. It's painting. very strange. Oh yeah. It is very soft, but and... that's an accent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, Properly, it should be painting. Yeah. Painting. Is painting different. is the you're, act. You're a almost, painting is a thing. You're almost dropping the T, though, is the point. Yeah. Yeah. I totally dropped the T. Well, drawing. Do you say drawing? I was just going to ask that. Yes. Yeah. Drawing? You say drawing. You okay. said drawing while we were sound checking. I said draw. When did we talk about drawing? Your, uh, oh, you just did your it uncle. There. They were painting oh, and drawing. Painting and I went, drawing. Oh, yep, I guess they're just drawing. But I, I it's kind of... barely detectable. But there's some Philly people where that additional L is really pronounced. But I kind drawing. of like that. I, it's kind of yeah. like it, it is the sound of the action, where it's just a following the logic. What do you guys call the thing that heat heat comes out of in your house? Radiator. Yeah, a radiator. Is that what you mean? Furnace. Yeah. Yeah. Furnace or radiator? What are we talking about? No, no. About? I, me I, meant, I meant what you said first. Radiator. radiator? Say yeah. it. How do you say it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I realize Wait, that I'm what, not in, sure. In what so. other way can you possibly pronounce that? I feel like that's not even a debatable one. I don't know. I don't know. Just say it. Just say it out loud. Don't think about it. Just well, say no, it. Well, no, I'm just going to repeat what you said so i should have said it first like this is my problem is that i think i mimic i'm like that bird that mimic bird where i'll hear somebody say something and i'm like oh that's the way to say it oh the parrot oh i mean i do this all the time with words that i've only read and never said mm -hmm. and then as soon as i hear them said i pick it up even yeah. if that person might be wrong i don't even check Oh, it's no, just you, the confirmation. You're usually wrong when you say them, and I go, what are you saying out loud right hey, now? Hey, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with being an autodidact. It's okay to teach yourself words. Yeah, but... Mm -hmm. Knowing the meaning of it is the important thing, not how, it, how it's pronounced. Yeah, but we have a Google, mm -hmm. and you just go, Google. How does that sound? The meaning and the spelling, so you can use it in Scrabble. Yeah, of course. <sighs> oh, by the way, how are your Scrabble games going? The ones that you are playing? I only have one, and I'm killing it, so I need some competitive competition. Oh, interesting. I'll I'll get the app and I'll play with you because yeah. we're on. We talked about this on a separate group hang, Zoom yeah. session. But you're of the opinion that rules matter in Scrabble, right? That the points are the thing that counts, mm -hmm. and you should try to win the game. Yeah, by any by any means necessary. Of course, rather than the other camp, uh, whom 
Will represents that doesn't think that points matter, nor should you try I to didn't win the know. game. No, and then I once I learned how to win, I wanted to so win. What was the purpose of playing the game, Will? Use up all the letters. And whoever yeah. like yeah. In other words, a child's understanding of Scrabble. Yeah, I haven't played Scrabble in goddamn <laughs> thirty years. I don't know. Oh yeah. No, I I play Scrabble. Phil and I play real game occasionally. Well, we used to play more regularly. We've played occasionally recently. D- does that interfere with your relationship? I could imagine that getting kind of heated because there is ways to be spiteful. Yeah, there it is. I mean, I think that, um, so Phil's the official scorekeeper in our partnership. And he thinks that that means that only he gets to know the score. And I like to know where I am in terms of points. Now, hang on. I'm the, I'm the scorekeeper over here and I read it out loud every four turns, add it up and read it out loud. But sometimes I have to double check the math and go, that's worth more. I got two. I got two there. Uh, Phil thinks that I think, especially when I'm in the lead, he doesn't like to admit it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Same. I get it. I get it. So he's like, ugh. But then I want to know when we're really neck and neck because I'm like, should I just play this 23-point word or should I really like study the board a little bit more? 23-point word? Right, right, right. No, it, it matters a lot, especially when the game is tight, what you do. Because sometimes it might be better to go for a lower scoring block at a certain moment. Like say there's a triple oh, yeah. word score out yeah. and you can only get nine from it because you only have two vowels that are worth one yep. point. But you should do that to prevent the next person from getting 32 out of it. But you need to know the score to know when to do that. You should never, ever, ever let a triple word score. Of course not. You should never let it stand. Be open if you can fill it. Listen, yeah. I was only recently... Even if you're filling it with mom... Mm-hmm. I was only recently introduced to blocking. So I was doing it accidentally, and then it's like, I'm going to block this. I was like, oh, strategy. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it gets more subtle over time, too, because you can block things really well if you have like a J or a Z or a Q or a hard letter to play. You can actually mm-hmm. close entire areas of the board off from play anymore. It puts an extra constraint on you, but if you're a more skilled player than your opponent, you can use that to your advantage. What was the score of the last game? Thank you very much. Oh, it was like 243 to 203 or something. I mean, you lost no, by I a lot. I lost by 30. Exactly. That was better than 100. Gwen, please inform Will that losing by 30 is tragic. That's pathetic. It was neck and neck until you pulled some shenanigans, so fuck off. I don't... <sighs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm asking you, how do you feel about that? I feel like a loss by 30 is a blowout. Uh, It's leaning towards blowout. It's leaning towards blowout. Fair enough. Okay. I, I think anything under 20 is kind of close. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody likes to have those games. I don't think those games are fun for either side when there's like a 130 point difference. No, it's not fun. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. You know, I'm playing somebody at the moment where I'm ahead by like 120, 130. And it's like, it's over. I don't even, I don't even want to spend time like trying to come up with a, best word because i don't i want them to play me again yeah of course <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to totally crush 
Well, it's no, so. it's no fun for you either. I mean, it's like that in terms no. of all games or conversations or artistic collaboration mm. or whatever. Like, it's only beneficial if it's fun for everybody. Yeah. It's yeah. not really fun for anybody if you're just, you know, getting all ego and destroying them. Mm-hmm. This is why Monopoly is a questionable option for these times. It's always a blowout. Uh, or, or, yeah. the, or there's, only, there's only two of you. Well, we we've taken to playing as two players each, which solves mm-hmm. this problem to a certain extent. But it introduces new complications because how do you trade amongst player two and player four when there's mm-hmm. only one agent in control of those? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit better, but it's not as good because yeah, somebody always ends up winning by a lot. Yeah, and I would imagine that it's hard to not make one of your players the sacrificial lamb who's like okay yeah. to trade everything to We've <sighs> done a pretty good job of acting in good faith, but it definitely requires that you make an effort to play both players equally. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's I mean, this is I mean, this is the joy of the Gemini speak of like let me just be two people at the same time. Done. Yeah, oddly, that's easy for both of oh, us. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. You're both Geminis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Wait, Gwen, what sign are you? I don't remember when your birthday is. I'm a Capricorn. What month is that? January. Oh, January. What are the traits of Capricorn? I think we're supposed to be kind of bitchy. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not uh, hardworking, all about the money. I don't think I'm super Capricorn-y. I have a moon in Pisces and I think I'm a pretty good balance between like the hard ass Capricorn and the sentimental Pisces. You are Mm. a get shit done person though. Yeah. Like you are the person who's like, okay, we're going to do it. It's going to happen and we're done and everybody shut up and follow me. And you're like, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Is Capricorn a water sign? Mm hmm. No, it's an earth. Oh, it's earth. Mm -hmm. So you're earth, water or something else. Earth, wind, and fire. Mm-hmm. It's September. September. I can't talk now. Whoopsies. <clears throat> uh, well, well, on that note, Gwen, do you want to get some rest? I feel like we've taken enough of your time, and we're well sure. over an hour. I know. Are it's, we good? Oh, of course. I know. It, I know oh, it's okay. late. Cool. Yeah, I have a very important engagement. Phil and I have to watch another episode of The Deuce. Oh, oh. wait, wait, wait. Can we? Can I ask you where are you in The Deuce right now? We're in the second season. Ooh. And we have, I think, two eps left. Oh, great. Um, What's going on in the she, story? Remind she me. Shot, she shot her film, but now she's, like, negotiating with the mob bosses about release. Um, Larry, Larry, Pimp Larry's one ex-girl came back from jail recently. Oh, yeah. Um, Cece, oh, I hated that scene. Uh, Cece's dead. Oh, right. Who's Cece? Is, the is, pimp. Yeah. Which is really funny because right before he got killed, I was like, oh, I wish somebody would kill that guy. Because I just, oh, he's such a shithead. He's like the oh. worst of the pimps. Wait, he, was that Method he, Man? No, 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 no. no. Um, but C- yeah, Cece, he's by far the least sympathetic. He's a sociopath. Yeah. And, like, the way he fucked, what's her name? Like, his, like, goodbye. I don't know. It was just, like, so violent. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't no, no, like no. any of this. 
Cece's not um, a good dude. They do a good job in that show in general of humanizing the pimps. Yeah. Um, but not him. Because I, I really like Larry. Oh, yeah. Larry, well, I think it's season three, but uh, Larry makes a real turn that's interesting. Okay. You'll see. But I, I don't so know. So Cece got killed, but I was disappointed who killed him. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Well, we should we should follow up. We I, should follow up on this. I mean, I know I know that guy's really bad too, but I just, you know, the Deuce is a complicated show because it's David mm-hmm. Simon. It's the guy that did The Wire, so like it has yeah. all of the elements of The Wire that are like subtle and mm-hmm. interesting, but it's a much worse and campier show, mm-hmm. which I think makes it interesting because they make a lot of mistakes in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll be curious to talk to you when you finally finish it. Because I have okay. really strong feelings about the finale of the Deuce. I loved the show all what around. What do you mean? What do you mean by the mistakes? Like you think the production made mistakes? I think they made mistakes in yeah in writing and mm. producing the show where they went too far in certain places and it loses right. the subtlety that's characteristic of David Simon and it turns into caricature and camp. Mm-hmm. Which is like maybe that's intentional because of the spirit of like what's being presented, but I actually think that's that it's not that it just falls mm-hmm. into like cartoonishness rather than like real characterization. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, we've got two two apps and a season left, so I'll let you know. Yeah, we should talk about it later. This was really nice, Gwen. Thank you for doing it. It was really nice. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Thank Bye. you. Take care. Good to yeah, see you too. I can will. You, can you let Lock me know if you need go things? Gargle for my uncle's orders. Oh, yeah, go gargle, gargle some salt. <laughs> Bye. 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 See ya.